0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's see, do I want to buy this one? Oh man, I'm recording a podcast. Shoot, sorry guys. I'm just trying to figure out how to spend this no halftime money that I just won from you and you and you. No. <laughs> uh just kidding guys, just kidding. No, seriously though, I just came off a really good week in No Halftime. You guys know what No Halftime is. It's just a daily fantasy sports app. You play player versus player challenges with your friends, your family, the people you don't like, the people you do like. You play for free. You can play for money. You can use my promo code CLOCK right now and get $10 just you know, straight out the gate if you want to you know get some free money. That's totally up to you. I, I'm not going to force it on nobody. Um, but seriously, guys, check out NoHalftime.com. Um, prove, prove to your friends. Prove to your family. Prove to everyone who plays fantasy football that you are the one who reigns supreme in this fantasy world. Again, you can download it on your iPhone device your Android device no halftime.com leave them a review play their weekly ticket challenge two weeks in a row now they've given away NFL tickets and you didn't get them that's sad man you got to you at least submit at least submit to win it guys let's get into this podcast now but you're gonna submit submit it Can not play with it. Can not going with it.
1: Are now locked in
0: to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Episode 42 of the Clock Dodgers Podcast. It is another fantasy football jam-packed episode. My guest today is actually Adam Cahill, uh, contributor at Clock Dodgers.com, massive fantasy football fan. He might do as many fantasy leagues as I do, it's very highly possible. Um, so he's deep in this. How are you doing today, Adam?
1: Oh, man. Doing phenomenal. Happy to be on episode 42. Uh, That actually is really interesting to me because it's a number that resonates with me because I'm a diehard fan of the uh, television show Lost from back in the day. And then also it's got uh, connections to like many different things in literature. So proud to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm a big Lost fan too. So it is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of want to, you know, kind of talk about you for a second, um, before we get into other football stuff. Um, so, you know, obviously, um, I met you on, I believe it was, we connected through Twitter. Um, and you know, do obviously the fantasy football channels one way or another, bam, it just happened to happen to make a connection somehow. Um, now you're contributing on clockdodgers.com. Um, you had the first article up there, which is the running back, um, archetype article that we have up, uh, which i highly recommend it's like super in-depth if you're if you're a guy who likes stats and numbers and 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 all that information um, adam has it um so so first of all just about that article really quick what made you write that article like well, what was it that kind of you know piqued your interest in as far as looking into that
1: yeah for sure um so basically the running back archetype article was me trying to quantify how i approached the running back position uh, mostly because this year more than any fantasy season prior i have really been a strong advocate of the zero running back approach so when you are approaching drafts from this position of going wide receiver heavy in the first five or six rounds i know as a fantasy player that i need to be able to identify those running backs in the later rounds that are going to have an opportunity to really produced for me like those early round running backs that people are, you know, drafting. So when I went and approached this, you know, this article, if you will, because for me it doesn't really start as an article. It always starts as just research. So when I was approaching my research, it was really just trying to quantify what it was about these players that broke out in 2015 that made them different that made them different from the field you know we draft literally like 50 60 70 80 running backs depending on the depth of your league every year what made these you know 14 players or so that I outlined in the article break out you know what was it that had those guys be different from the field and so I really started to go through and look at things like their average draft position And then more specifically, you know, their metrics and and specifically what their stats were over the course of the season to kind of track backwards. And what happened for me is when I started doing the research behind it, I started seeing these patterns emerge, um, different styles that seem to attribute themselves to success, different situations that seem to attribute themselves to success. So when I was noticing that there were these patterns that started to develop, It became really important for me to try and address that in a way that made it easy for really anybody to look at the running backs going in the later rounds this year and be able to quickly take a look at a player, have a decent understanding of what their skill set is, what their role in the offense is, and then be able to quantify that into this archetype term to find out if that's an archetype that was successful last year and therefore more likely than not will be successful again this year
0: because the league
1: is changing but it's not changing at this rapid rate it's changing at this kind of slow turnover rate um so for me it was really just about finding these pieces that just kind of lined up in my research and, and then finding a way to address them to people in a way that helps support other people with identifying these breakouts before they occur
0: yeah yeah, I, it's a it's a very like in depth article. You obviously can tell you did your work. You obviously can tell you're a smart dude. Um, one of one of my favorite things about the article, okay, number one, of course, you, you, you know, you you obviously point out who the breakout guys were and why they broke out. But my favorite part is how you also, kind of, you know, gave people an idea of who may follow suit. You know, like this is why this guy broke out. This is his style, and these are guys who may f- fit that mold. You know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of my favorite part about it because. Whether you're right or you're wrong, you know, you're, you're you're pointing out an obvious, you know, reason why this guy succeeded and guys that may follow that. And then it also helps people who want to dig deeper look for more of those kind of guys. You know what I mean? Um, whether it's guys coming out in college, you know, for future draft purposes or, or free agents or guys that you want to trade for. Like you started looking, you know, for a certain kind of running back, um, which, which made it really fun for me because I, I started going past what you put out there like as a blueprint and looking even deeper into it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, dude, that's awesome. That's exactly the intention. I mean, really, at the end of the day, the players that I identify in these archetypes fit the mold based on what I'm seeing. But we all see things differently. I mean, that's what makes fantasy really interesting is we all have different ways of evaluating players, different things that we highlight, different things that really stand out to us. And for me, I wanted to create these archetypes as a means of saying, okay, these are the types of players that are able to break out. Now, who fits those roles this year? And what's been really cool is literally even in week one, I feel like I already had success just identifying D'Angelo Williams through this process because he's somebody who, especially early in the year before Le'Veon Bell's suspension, I was drafting a ton of in MFL 10s, uh, which are best ball format. But for me, It was kind of creating that process early of realizing this is a guy who is going in these later rounds, who showed an amazing amount of success last year, and he fit that archetype perfect of, you know, that proven backup, that guy who, if somebody goes down in front of him, he is going to produce like a RB1 for fantasy, and he did that already in week one, So, so I really feel vindicated in that sort of approach, and I'm really excited to see it progress throughout the year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, so when it comes to drafting, um, you're you're a zero running back. Are you all the way with that? Or are you like totally one hundred percent in on that?
1: Uh it's interesting because I I think I would say that I'm uh, a huge advocate of it. Um, but I have strayed away from it in a few different leagues, uh, most notably in the uh, the Scott Fish Bowl, which which I know that we uh, we both are in and uh, talked about, maybe uh, touching on a little bit here, but uh, specifically. In any PPR draft uh, that, that focuses on a majority of their scoring through PPR or in leagues that allow me to start at least four wide receivers, so they're three wide receiver and a flex or two wide receiver and two flex, in any situation where I can start four wide receivers or in any situation that's full point PPR or even half point PPR, I'm going to approach the draft zero running back unless there's some extra caveat, like in the Scott fish bowl where you get points per carry. Then I think that there's a different way to approach it. There are some other factors that need to be considered before approaching a draft. But, uh, but yeah, I, I really think that the work um, that Sean Siegel has done and in, in regards to writing about anti-fragility and zero running back up uh, over at Roto-Biz has just really opened my eyes to this really concrete way of being able to be successful in a draft approach. Um, And in a lot of ways at this point in time, I feel like it almost has solved PPR leagues. Um, We'll see how it plays out this year. I think this year will be a really big, um, it it will tell the tale. I think it's probably the best way to put it as to uh, how people look back at at something like zero running back. I think there's a lot of eyes on it this year. Um, Whereas last year I used it a little bit and it felt like, you know nobody was even talking about it right uh, but it'll be interesting to see how it pans out this year because it's it's definitely a hot button topic on fantasy twitter
0: yeah yeah and see that's that's the thing for me like i'm really open to the whole draft strategy thing because i well i don't know i'm not saying it bothers me but there's so many guys who are like gung-ho and and you know committed to one way and it's like there's no other right way yeah i mean like the stats prove it. Everything leans in this direction. It's got to be this. Anything else is you're just not setting yourself up for success. And like I can't get all the way into it like that. You know what I mean? Because I've won leagues not doing that. So I know it's not true that you have to do it that way. You know what I mean? Um, oh
1: yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I think that. Uh, so I come from a bit of a poker playing background, and and I think for me it's one of those things where, you know, anyone can be successful at a game approaching it from many different directions. That being said. I do think in games there are um, strategies that have a higher equity of return. So with an approach like zero running back, I think it just increases your equity of return, your potential for success. It's not a proven thing. I I honestly think that it, it can end up blowing up in your face, just like any other draft strategy. And like, I think most people have come to realize you, you, you know, it doesn't really matter what your draft approach is if you pick the wrong players.
0: Right, like, exactly. Player
1: evaluation has to be at the root and core of anything. And the nice thing now, though, is there are so many people out there producing so much content around player evaluation that when you're able to couple that amazing player evaluation with a strategic approach like Zero RB, it it seems to be a really successful way to go about drafting. Um, But like I said, this year will really tell the tale in that regard, and and it'll be interesting to see, because especially in regards to best ball, I I did my highest volume of best ball in NFL 10s that I've ever done this year, and I would say 90% of those drafts are zero RB. So uh, I'll myself have some very direct results uh, based on the zero RB strategy to look back on after this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, you went, you went hard in the MFL tens. <laughs> you went all the uh, way in on those. I, I didn't really take part in a lot of those. I don't know why. I guess I don't, it, it, I don't know what it is, but I guess I just, I just didn't get too far into it. <laughs> Some guys, it, seemed, it seemed like as I watched on the outside looking in, guys who went in just kept going deeper and deeper, <laughs> and I was like, I can't let this pull me in.
1: Oh, I know, it's crazy. I mean. I started doing MFL 10s back in 2014 and I just started with like 10 my first year. Um, But I had a lot of success that first year. So I've slowly ramped it up over the last two seasons. But uh, I would say that I don't even come close to touching these high volume MFL 10 players. I mean, there's people who I follow on Twitter who are doing hundreds and that, uh, that's insane. It's a huge financial investment. And I mean, it's a huge time and, and energy investment as well. I mean, that's, uh, it's a huge commitment and uh, I don't know it'll be interesting to see with some of these high volume MFL 10 players what their results are like because uh, RotoViz and a few other sites actually keep track of that so uh,
0: so That'd yeah really that's, interesting
1: that's another, yeah it's another one of those things that like you know just like zero RB it's going to be really interesting to reflect on this year at, uh, at the end of season
0: for sure so you did mention the Scott Fishbowl which we're both in um, Scott 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 is a super cool dude he's been on the podcast with me. Um, nice guy. He obviously has created an awesome league and awesome system in place that he has. Um, and h- how did you do in week one? Did you do all right?
1: Yeah, I kind of crushed it. Uh, kind of crushed
0: I, it. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, right now. So I am in the classically great conference in the Jack Nicholson division. And uh, my week one matchup was against uh, CBS's Dave Richard. Uh, so, uh, Big shout out to Dave. I think he actually, if I remember correctly, he's been on your podcast.
0: Yes, yes.
1: That's awesome, man. Um, so yeah, big shout out to Dave. Uh, I actually felt really honored to be able to uh, to play against him. That's the really cool thing about the Scott Fishball is you had this opportunity to play against people who, you know, Dave Richard is ironically the very first voice that I ever heard listening to fantasy when I was like a teenager, probably. Oh my gosh! Like a decade ago, um, I, I don't know how long he's been at CBS Fantasy, but I, I think it's been over a decade. Um, but yeah, I, that was the very first resource because my first league was on CBS. So he was he was the first mind who started it all. So it was really cool to uh, be able to go up against him week one. And uh, yeah, I, I had a really good week. I put up a uh, hundred ninety points, and uh, right now I'm sitting at first uh, in total points in that uh jack nicholson division and uh i know this only because uh fantasy mansion over at player profiler tweeted out uh that i was in the top 50 because uh, uh, he gave a shout out to nice. some of the fans of uh player profiler and uh it was nice enough to include me on that so yeah i mean it's it's been a good first week and uh i'll be really really interested to see how this progresses
0: yeah, for uh, for people listening, this may come out after week two, even. So you may be in a totally different attitude by the time this comes out. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I I won. Also, I didn't score as many points as you, but I did win, um, which you know I'm gonna take some pride in. Um, as far as like your team though on there, did you said you didn't go um, zero running back on there?
1: Oh, I totally didn't. Uh, so at that time, I um I actually. I, you know, I was really excited to get uh, to get invited to play in the Scott Fish Bowl. I mean, like you touched on, Scott's an amazing guy, what he does for the industry and then also for Toys for Tots, uh, for charity, which uh, which he contributes to. is just amazing work. And, uh, you know, it's an honor to be a member of the Scott Fish Bowl. Being able to play against Dave Richard, like I said, was so cool. And there's just so many different elements of this, both through networking and just through, you know, actually competing in the league that are just so so awesome and, and say so many positive things about the fantasy industry but yeah in regards to uh how i went about approaching my draft i was really listening a lot to um the guys over at four, 4 fantasy uh chris raybon and um
0: tj hernandez over there yeah great guys yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic guys. Uh,
1: if you, uh, anybody out there, if you would never listened to the DFS MVP podcast that those two do, uh, you really should if you play any DFS. They're phenomenal. Very, very smart guys. Um, but I was listening a lot to TJ uh, coming up to the SFB 480, and uh, he was really advocating a uh, robust RB approach. And uh, it was interesting, because at that time, there was some articles on Rotoviz about robust RB, and... Uh, it was something that I kind of was against in a lot of ways. Um, it was more the format having that that carry bonus and also giving you the ability to start up to five running backs that intrigued me. Um, so I did end up approaching it running back heavy. Uh, I don't think I took like a really true uh, like zero wide receiver or robust uh, running back approach because I didn't like. Go five or six running backs to start but uh right. but my drafted you know it was very running back heavy early <laughs> and uh you know i threw in tyrod taylor and uh and dalton in there as well so i didn't get completely left behind at quarterback <laughs> but uh but yeah it uh it was it was a really interesting draft uh, how did you go about approaching it
0: i actually said to myself you know what i'm gonna try to do the most craziest crap that i could think of because i'm like 480 people i gotta stand out somehow um and i figure i'm just gonna either go all or go home you know what i mean so i drafted like cam newton and russell wilson both of them man i went like real they went like first i think i first and second round or first and third round i like went super high with them um i did draft some wide receivers like cooper you know landry i got obviously kind of lucky now with sneed the way he was playing but um my running backs were just kind of like a a bunch of misfits man i got uh, I, at that point I thought Jay Ajayi was gonna be like some great player. I drafted him. Um, Matt Jones, I thought, oh yeah, he's gonna break out. So I got like these guys that are like, oh man, now I'm like, you know, kicking myself over it. But you know, as far as running backs, like I got some guys that could still do all right. You know, I got um I got um, I know I got Blao Powell who I thought was gonna do good. I got Tevin Coleman. All, all these I got like all these guys who were like, you know, backups or like guys that I thought were gonna rise, you know, this season. Um, so we'll see. I, I did it because of the 0.2.5 carry or whatever. Um, you know, I figured Cam and Russell will help cover up a lot of, um, deficiencies if I have weaker running backs. And I just thought guys like Matt Jones and stuff will get bulk carries. So I kind of went that way and I don't know if it hurt me or not. And then, you know, tight end, I got Delaney Walker. Um, I tried to get, you know, him decently at a decent time. So we'll see how it goes. If, if it, my, my, my big thing was, I didn't think a lot of guys were going to go Cam Newton and Russell Wilson. You know what I mean? So, I figured that'll kind of either make or break me, maybe. So we'll see how it, you know, how it ends up panning out at the end. But I just figured if I get into the playoffs, there's not gonna be a lot of guys with rosters that look like mine. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No. That's that's honestly that is the biggest takeaway that I had when listening to TJ and some of the other guys when they were talking strategy as far as how to approach uh, the SFB 480 because you it's. It's so difficult. Um, I, uh, I have a little bit of experience playing in the NFFC, the National Fantasy Football Championship, uh, in some of their larger format contests. And what I've learned from doing those over the last few years is that it's so difficult when you get in these large format playoff structures to differentiate your lineup from other people. So I think, you know, if you're going to take an approach make sure it's one that is high variance, you know, especially in this league where really, I mean, it's a bragging rights league. First and foremost, there's some amazing prizes out there, but really I think for the vast majority of us, there's no greater prize than getting to brag that you win your division or your conference. or oh,
0: for sure. You win the, you know, the Scott fishbowl. I mean, it's, it's
1: huge on fantasy Twitter this year. I mean, it's, it's insane. Uh, so I think that it's one of those things that you know, if you're going to approach a draft like this, there are so many players, so many teams that make the playoffs, and there are you know so many different owners approaching it from so many different directions. That taking an approach like you took, I mean, I highly doubt there's there's that many other teams, if any, that went
0: Cam Russell one two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so having that approach, I mean, it is it's super high
1: variance, but If those two players hit, like, I mean, they definitely didn't in the first week, and you were still able to produce 150 points. So if those guys rebound, which I definitely think they should, I mean, you could be sitting pretty, definitely.
0: Yeah, man, we'll see. I just figured, like I said, man, if it was like, you know, 10 teams, 12 teams, those leagues that we're used to, it's like, all right, that's one thing, but... I'm like four hundred and eighty people, I gotta like stand out somehow. I'm either I'm either gonna win or lose, so I might as well just go all in on something crazy, you know what I mean? So and I feel like I did it, you know, I didn't go I didn't like, you know, act retard, you know, crazy stupid on there and and do, you know, nonsense. But I, I did, you know, try to take a different approach. So we'll see, man. I mean, you obviously crushed it this week compared to me, so you might have did it all right, and I might have did it wrong. <laughs>
1: uh, I, just, I just did what my uh, my article said, draft D'Angelo Williams and, and sign out.
0: <laughs> this is true. This is true, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, people need to check that article out. I'm telling you, it's... For, no 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 doubt like I said you don't and and like I said the main thing for me was I didn't just take what you said I just took the blueprint as well and I said let me see if I can try to you know maybe I'm not as smart as adam but let me see if I can try to <laughs> find some of my own guys like this um but the blueprint definitely you know definitely is awesome um when, when you know obviously like I said this this podcast episode may come out after week two whatever it is um, but we're still gonna be in a stage where people are like overreacting. Um, to, to players whether they're on a you know negative thing or a positive um, as far as yourself personally um, as far as like when it comes to overreacting, do, do you take any of it seriously? I know we try to tell people be patient, you know, wait this thing out See how it plays out. Give it a couple weeks But like do you yourself have just a little worry sometimes about certain guys that maybe you drafted or like see a guy doing bad and You're like, let me try to get him now, you know, why I have a chance Do, do you do that? Or are you are you 100% dedicated to being patient for like a couple so, of weeks?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's really one of the biggest conundrums in fantasy football. So Typically, I try and be a type of person who's going to zoom out rather than zoom in, uh, especially when it comes to analyzing how an individual player is going to perform. Uh, And what I mean by that is, you know, I I really like to zoom out and look at their body of work, uh, whether that be if they're, you know, a veteran what they've done over the course of their career in the NFL, or if they're a younger player looking back at their collegiate career, I think that often gets too overlooked. Uh, I'm not even a big college football fan myself. I I don't watch a ton of college football, but I think it's huge to look back at those stats and be able to kind of have an understanding of what sort of target market share wide receivers had on their teams, uh, how well these running backs produce in relative you know, or, I'm sorry, in relation to uh, other running backs in their conferences, things like that, because getting that sort of foundation, I think, allows you to really have the um, the proper tools to build from. Uh, so with that in mind, you know, I, I try not to overreact, but I think that there is still a lot to be learned in these early weeks, especially in situations that change. Uh, and what I mean about that are, situations especially where you have new quarterbacks especially uh situations where you have new coordinators um or you know play callers in general because I guess it doesn't always have to be the offensive coordinator sometimes a new head coach who becomes the play caller um but those sort of ships I think are really important to pay attention to and then to look back and see things like um how the target market share changed from what it was last year to the first week of the season. There's not a whole lot of information to work off of, but I think that it's it's definitely not the right attitude to just have that you can just completely ignore it or act like it doesn't matter. Um, but there definitely is a lot of overreacting that I think can be settled down a little bit if you really have that foundation first of looking at a player's total profile as to what they've done in their career and then start to build that player and how they fit into the situation of what the offense looked like in that first week and how that might have changed from what they looked like last year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I agree with you on that as far as, you know, kind of be impatient, but don't ignore it. Um, e- even for me, even for me, like, say I am nervous about a guy. Um, I'm not I, I refuse to, like, sell him low, especially after one week. Like, I, I may have a guy, like, say, for instance, Devonta Freeman, right? Um, a lot. Some people didn't really care for him coming into this year because they said he can't repeat what he did last year. It's just, you know, it's not attainable. Um, but I still was. I'm still a fan of the guy. I still think he can still be a very good player. Um, so I did draft him in a bunch of leagues, and then now, of course, after week one um, with Coleman and stuff, you got people, you know, panicking on Freeman kind of. Um, so going into the year, he may have been a guy that I said, you know what, I'm probably gonna stick, you know, hold tight to this guy and not move him. I'm, he's gonna be a big part of my team. But after week one. I see, you know, the Coleman thing happening and I, and of course I can either overreact and get crazy about it, or I can say, I'm just going to ignore it. Um, there were some leagues where I got offers and I did take them, you know what I mean? But I didn't feel like I was selling myself short on it necessarily. I may, I may have pulled the trigger early on a guy that I probably wouldn't have traded if I didn't see it start off like that, but I don't think I sold myself short on it. You know what I mean? So, oh, I
1: gotta, I gotta hear what value you got for Devonta Freeman, because I am totally in the other camp of like I want to sell, sell, sell. Okay. Um, so, so I'd love
0: to hear what you got for. Me. Okay, so you tell me if I'm crazy here or not. Um, it is a half point PPR. It's not full point. Um, and so, I traded, I traded Freeman, uh, Shepard, and Lockett um, for another guy that some people are kind of iffy on, which is Melvin Gordon. Um, Diggs, who i like a lot personally and um Diggs and who was the other one uh marvin jones so you think i did good or i love it love it right
1: yeah i love that that's phenomenal yeah like i was saying earlier i mean in any sort of ppr format i'm always going to value wide receivers over running backs and that's you know that comes from a lot of different places um but one of the places that it's going to come from in this particular situation are you know this 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 foundation of, you know, Devonta Freeman had an amazing season last year and he showed in week one that, you know, that approach that they used last year where he was really this bell cow running back isn't, I think, what their approach is going to be this year. Tevin Coleman was drafted earlier than Devonta Freeman was. And, you know, if it wasn't for an offseason injury last year, would have looked way different. So... What I'm seeing from them is this goal to utilize multiple backs, which isn't odd. I mean, this is something that the majority of the NFL does. So when I see that, I'm not going to overreact to it, but I have to acknowledge that it's happening. Right, exactly. And I think what you did there in getting a guy like Melvin Gordon to transition out of is you're taking a guy who is on the rise. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see how that offense kind of gels with losing Keenan Allen in week one. Uh, I haven't looked back enough at the splits between when they had Keenan Allen last year at the beginning of the year uh, and when they they were without him at the end of the year in regards to what their running game looked like. But what I do know about that split is in the first seven games where Keenan Allen was healthy last year – uh, Philip Rivers was the number two quarterback in fantasy. Over the last uh, nine games where they were without him, he was the quarterback 23 in fantasy. Wow, I saw that tweeted out the other day and it was one of those things that was really illuminating. I'd be really interested to go back and look and see kind of how things shifted in the running back role during that time. Um, but even without knowing that information, uh, I think Melvin Gordon is a guy who you're catching on the rise, whereas Devonta Freeman is a guy who you are letting go of on the fall. And then the wide receivers that you got, you got young wide receivers who are in great situations on their teams. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of left off the digs bandwagon as soon as Teddy uh, Teddy Bridgewater went down. But I really, you know, I I think that he's the type of talent, especially in a role where he's gonna be the number one uh, wide receiver in that offense, and he's gonna get the target market share for probably the entirety of the season. I think he can really, you know, latch onto that, take a hold, and he'll be a guy that you can start more weeks than you can't. And Marvin Jones, I I just love this year. Um, I think that he is an explosive wide receiver that, um, you know, Matthew Stafford is just he looks a lot different than he ever has in his career before. And uh, I don't know if losing Calvin Johnson has actually been a benefit for him or if it's just a situation that the, uh, the the offense there, the Jim Bob Cooter offense is, you know, just fitting his skill set better. Um, but he looks a lot different. Uh, and I think we saw it in week one. And I mean, I'll be excited to see what that offense looks like going forward. So yeah, man, I, I, uh, i like it uh you may not get that response from a lot of people who think that you may have sold uh, Devonta freeman too low um but time will tell and uh, i think it's going to tell on your favor. yeah
0: and see that's kind of the thing for me like i said i i did sell freeman and i did do it quickly but again uh, even if even if freeman ends up you know being the old freeman or better than gordon or however you want to look at it i'm not going to be mad i'm not going to be upset because i feel like I didn't undersell myself in the moment. That's just how I feel. Like I don't. I'm not. I'm not coming away like, damn. I. I, I just had to get whatever I could get for him. You know what I mean? Like it yeah, was. Yeah. It was back and forth dialogue. I, I. got exactly the price that I asked for. So I'm not gonna feel bitter or salty about it after the fact. If he ends up being better. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, sure. I didn't not panic. I didn't panic in a way where like I started hitting up everybody. Like give me take someone. Give me something. Give me something. You know?
1: Definitely. And I think that that's kind of the uh, the approach you have to take with trading early. Uh, You know, you have to be stiff, you have to get exactly what you're looking for, because a lot of times it's, you know, it's better to kind of wait things out and see how things develop, because like you said, you know, you don't want to overreact to just one week. Um, But I think you got good value there, Uh, especially, you know, if you run into a situation where uh, Tevin Coleman, like he did in the first week, you know, is being utilized in the passing game there, which was kind of the situation that had Devonta Freeman thrive last season. Uh, I think a lot of people don't know this, but he was number three in running back receptions behind Theo Riddick and Danny Woodhead last year, which was a huge reason that he was such a successful fantasy asset. I think if he loses a good market share of that reception, those receptions from Tevin, or, uh, sorry, to Tevin Coleman, uh, it it's going to cut into his production huge. And I think that, you know, Tevin Coleman from just what he did at the collegiate level is a better between the tackles runner. So if he's able to show that ability to, in the passing game as well, I think we could see a shift where Tevin Coleman is the future back and Devonta Freeman becomes this sort of, you know, um, Specialization player, change of
0: pace type used, of guy, yeah,
1: exactly. Being used into not necessarily a change of pace back because I feel like he'll be utilized more than that,
0: but like um, a specialist,
1: exactly. Somebody who's used in different packages who, who they you know design plays
0: around, but not necessarily is the focal point of that offense like he seemed to be last year. Yeah, I don't think when I traded for Gordon, I wasn't thinking about Woodhead. I, I know he's there, <laughs> I know he's there, and I know he's good, guys. I know. Um, before we jump over to like foul or no foul and other stuff that I have planned, I just want to see if you can give um, the listeners like one trade tip and then one waiver wire tip. Um, so we'll start with the trade tip. Do you have any, do you have anything that you, you know, is it something you live by or, you know, something you really, a piece of advice that you could really give as far as when it comes to trading, um, that you, that you think people should be aware of or.
1: Uh, I'll give two, just because okay. I think the first one is one that I think everybody just needs to do, which is if you are in a league with someone who just always gives bad trade offers, please just stop wasting your time. <laughs> just just stop negotiating with them. Uh, I have a few guys who I've been in leagues with for years who just consistently send these horrible trade offers. I literally got this offer at the end of week one, which was uh, somebody offered me Des Bryant, Uh, in return for AJ Green
0: that's a player that I'm just not going to negotiate with that individual
1: I I think that if you're going to trade make legitimate offers so that's going to be my tip make legitimate offers understand that when you're giving an offer to somebody you are trying to get who you think are the best players everybody knows that but you want it to be desirable, like especially if you're in a situation where, um, you know, you're going after a player who is on the rise, you have to present something that is desirable.
0: In yeah, return. well, I, I it's I, one I, thing I, I, if I,
1: you're approaching somebody who's in the fall, but if you're approaching somebody when they're on the rise, you definitely need to be presenting. To that owner, something that's worthwhile, that's going to start a conversation because really that's all trading is. It's trying to start a conversation around player value until you guys can come to a point where you both agree that, okay, this is this is how we can move forward in this trade.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a question that I'm in a dynasty league. It's the first year in the dynasty league. Um, and I've been trying to get a trade done with this guy for like I'm, I'm I'm more so looking for like a third wide receiver or a flex or something like that. And um, he has Terrell Pryor and he has um, Tyrell Williams, obviously the, the Chargers. Who with Allen going down, I feel like you know probably sh- probably should get attention, right? Um, so I'm trying to make a trade for one of those guys. It's a dynasty. They're obviously younger players. Um, do do you feel like you know what what is it what what is a fair trade for some guys like that where they're they're not necessarily proven but they are young. It's a dynasty. They have, you know, a a good potential, I guess you would say. Um, You know, if I have guys like Kamar Aiken, Pierre Garcon, I mean, are they worthy to offer, or do you feel like that's an insult? You know, I think in dynasty, it really is a
1: lot different than a redraft because you have to play to the build of your opponent. Um, If your opponent, you know, Dynasty is a weird animal. I think that there are some people who play Dynasty to actually win their league. And I think that there are a lot of people who play Dynasty really as a means to say, I identified this player when they were young and they became great. Right. Am I not the smartest guy in the room? <laughs> uh, and I think it's important to identify which owners exist in your leagues. Because if you are you know, trying to get Terrell Williams from a guy who is trying to win their league now, I think that you could totally offer like a second round pick potentially, or you could offer, you know, a second round pick plus um, in, in return for Terrell. However, if you're trying to trade with that guy who wants to have that next Odell Beckham Jr., they may see Keenan Allen go down and think Terrell Williams is just, you know, the bell of the ball now and not want to let go of him. And I think that, you know, it's important to be able to look at how your opponents build teams and to be able to draw some information from that as to whether they're even, you know, a worthwhile uh, trade option for you.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I even um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Fantasy Life app. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, so. Um, you know Matthew Berry is a part of that and he was on there one day just taking questions and I actually asked him like when it comes to a trade what's more important you know the player selling himself or you selling the trade you know what I mean Um, because I feel like that's an interesting you know dynamic some people just offer stuff and they don't communicate with you they don't talk to you and I feel like more than likely you're just inclined to reject it you know what I mean but when you get this guy who's like constantly conversating with you and, and you know talking about the deal and you know what you like what is this like and kind of selling stuff I feel that is the key don't you feel like that's the key the communication oh definitely i'm i'm never the type to just send an offer like that honestly when i get those it's like oh my god it's such a headache yeah
1: it feels like you're making me do the work for a trade that you want to initiate like you're gonna send this to me and what you're expecting is I'm either just going to accept it, which I don't think has ever happened in the history of fantasy football. Like, when does anyone send you an offer? And you're just like, oh, this is amazing. Except like, unless it was an accident, probably not happening. So what they're expecting from you, then, is that you're going to do the legwork either to counter an offer, which means to make a better offer to them than they could make to you, which seems absurd. Or they want you to reach out to them to start a conversation which ultimately is just gonna get me to hit reject every time. Yep. Like that's it, unless they're in a situation where they have a team that has some players who I really want, like there were players that I wanted to draft and you know, I waited around too late or, or a situation where I'm going to, you know, want to negotiate with that owner anyway,
0: you know, despite the fact that they don't know how to trade, <laughs> Yeah. you know,
1: I'm going to go above and beyond then to, to try and negotiate. But often that's going to rub me the wrong way to start. And I'm going to be a little bit more difficult trying to get the best possible value
0: because you know, I'm having to do all this extra work. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And you said you had a second tip for the trade.
1: Yeah, um, the second tip for me uh, is just around realizing um, that this, this kind of plays more into Dynasty, and I think I touched on it a little bit, but it's, it's realizing what your team really needs as far as where you are in the season. And I think I see this often with, uh, with some friends that I have and different people who ask me for advice on Twitter who don't play in a lot of fantasy leagues. I feel like people get trigger happy really early. Um, I have a few people who I can think of in particular who already this, you know, this first week have been reaching out to me about like tons of different trade options that they want to negotiate. And I think that when you're early on in the season, it's really important to kind of zoom out and to have this perspective that, that things are going to change a lot in a very short period of time. And the players that you may be evaluating right now as values might not pan out to be. And those players that you're looking to trade away because you're in fear that they can't rebound might just rebound. So I think that it's really important to kind of know the situation. And that also goes later in a season to know, you know, what your team needs to make that run in the playoffs. Or if you're in a dynasty league to know if you are in a position Where you can make a run at a championship, or if it's just better for you to start rebuilding for future years. I think to really kind of have that ability to take a step back and to self evaluate your team is huge in being able to make proper trades because trading at the end of the day is just another way to, you know, propel your team forward or to, you know, look to rebuild if you're in a dynasty setting and and to know where you're coming from before you're even making those trade offers for sure
0: yeah before before we go to the waiver wire tip my, my, my two big things i guess when it comes to trading is one like i always tell people um counter always counter never never take the first offer because i feel like the first offer is never the best offer i don't care what you get there's uh, it's always worth countering you know what i mean it's always worth to ask for more and then let it come down than to just take what the first thing was and know you could have got more you know what i mean oh yeah for so, sure.
1: All you have to do is watch an episode of Pawn Stars or any of those other <laughs> bidding shows that's on network TV and you'll see nobody ever takes the first offer. Exactly.
0: Like, <laughs> so do not take the first offer. Um because you get a lot of people who, you know, who come to you and say, Hey, I got this offer. Um, should I take it? And my off my answer is always gonna be no, don't take it. You know, ask for more and see what happens because you'll be surprised that you know the person is willing to go higher always. Um and then my other um big thing is and it's kinda hard to explain sometimes, but Again, you know, people will come at you with offers that they get and say, you know, am I, am I winning this trade? And and for me, it's it, I try to explain to people, it's not to me, it's not always about winning the trade itself. It's are you going to make your team better? You know what I mean? Um, because there's so many different ways to look at a trade and who won it. Um, you know, did you get the best player in the deal? Some people think if I got the best player in the trade, I won the trade. Um, some people say, am I getting the most overall points? You know, if I had, um, you know, Decker and, um, I'm trying to think of another PPR monster or something like, say you got Decker and Tate and you gave up like, uh, who's someone a little bit in the middle there. Um, you know, if you gave up a guy that's, you know, above those two, but combined, those two are going to outscore that person. You know what I mean? But for your team, does it fix your team by getting those two instead of just having that one guy? Um, there's so many different ways to look at you know, whether you won the trade or not, and I feel like it's not really important whether you won the deal. It doesn't matter if, you, if that person got a little more as long as it improved your team by doing it. Do you know what I mean? Is it making sense?
1: Yeah, completely.
0: You I can mean, lose the trade, in a sense, and still win for your team.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's very true. I think that plays a lot more towards uh, later in the season when you're trying to create a starting lineup That's going to most efficiently propel you into the playoffs. I think early in the year, it is kind of just better, in my opinion, as far as when I'm making roster construction, to have as many extremely talented players as possible. Um, That's really the thing that I try and gravitate towards early in the year. But definitely as you're progressing down later into the year, because In the fantasy playoffs, you know, it doesn't matter who's on your bench. It matters who you're able to put in that starting lineup each week. So it's huge to try and really just make sure that that, you know, lineup is just power packed with as many performers that can just go off on any given week as possible.
0: Perfect. And then if we jump to waiver advice really fast, any, 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 you know, one thing that you go into waivers with any, any tip, any advice, any, you know, perspective that you go into waivers with?
1: um i mean really i think when you are approaching waiver wire it's you know it's so different in every league um i think one of the things that i struggle with the most is i I play in a lot of leagues that have really really difficult waiver wires um situations where a lot of people are very active on the waiver wire and there's not a lot of talent there a lot of times uh so i'll get questions from from different people i know and you know, they'll ask me about different wave wire pickups and there'll be like three options that all of which I think should be owned. So it's really hard to, you know, quantify and to rank. And I think that, you know, like you said, in regards to trading to make the best starting lineup for later, I think wave wire pickups have a lot to do with that as well. Um, If you run into a situation where your league has fab, I think it is, uh, you know, important to spend early because, The players that you pick up in week one, you then get for 15 more weeks through week 16. And I think that people don't realize that if you pick up a player in week eight, you're only getting that player for the next eight weeks that are beyond that. And that's if you go into a fantasy championship. A lot of times, you know, the fantasy playoffs start around week 14. So really, you're getting it for that last five weeks. So the player that you're picking up in week one is so much more valuable than the player you're picking up in week eight, simply because of the amount of time that you're able to have them. So in situations where you do have FAB, which is free agent bidding, um, if you're able to bid on players, bid early. Don't be afraid of spending a lot of money early if you're able to identify those talents that you do think are going to last throughout the season. And then when you're in these situations where it's like a, continuous uh, waiver wire and you're you know not bidding on individual players. I think that's kind of a situation more where you can look to churn um a lot of leagues that are like that. I mean really a lot of leagues in general. I try and stream either the tight end or quarterback position or both. Right. Um, there's a lot of really good knowledge out there uh around streaming. And uh I think that if you approach it from a streaming perspective then you may approach the waiver wire a little differently, uh, just in the sense of you have different players that you're looking to target because you're not looking to, you know, necessarily be going after that potential home run hitter, you know, you know, Terrell Williams, because you already have six, seven, eight, nine running backs, or I'm sorry, wide receivers on your team. So instead you're looking at, you know, streaming the Jesse James types at tight end. So I think that, you know, roster construction has a lot to do with it. Um, but for, you know, my big tip for, for the waiver wire would be if you have that fab budget, spend it early. Don't be afraid to because it has so much more value when you are spending it early.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there because you got guys who hold on to it, like waiting for something big to happen and then they never spend it, you know, or they wait too long and they're losing games because of it or, you know, not making the proper adjustments because of it. So um, definitely going to ride your coattails on that one, man. I think you're right on that. Um, and, and like you said, there are a lot of a lot of good information out there about streaming, you know, the different positions. And there's actually some articles that are going to be coming to Clark soon uh, from a, from another new contributor. Um, so be on the lookout for that as well. Um, now, I do want to jump over to Fowler No foul, um because it is a fun game that we play. Um, just the rules really quick for those who may be new to the show or for anyone who, who is not familiar. Um, Fowler No foul is basically where I take statements that people have sent in to me. Um, that I've created on my own or whatever it may be. Um, and I'm going to throw them at Adam today. And Adam, if he agrees with it, it's a no foul. If he disagrees with it, it is a foul. Are we good, Adam? Yep, gotcha. All right, man, let's do this. It's your turn to
1: make the call. Foul. or no foul.
0: The first one is going to hit home close to you, man. It's from, uh, his name is actually at Geo on the Fantasy Life app. Um you're gonna hit hit his is is someone you like so it's a player you like Um, his his is Tyrod or ty god as you call him um is a good nfl quarterback not fantasy just in general he is a good nfl quarterback because we know there's a lot of doubters out there and there's a lot of believers so in your mind good nfl quarterback foul or no foul
1: no foul to quantify it I think it's so based in situation. I mean, how good of an NFL quarterback can you be when you're on a Ryan offense?
0: Like, okay, that's fair.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's only going to be so good when Rex Ryan is calling the plays. It's, it's like when, when you when you were in these situations, um, you, know, you have to realize that players are based around the system. And I think Tyrod has shown that he has this crazy skill set and it'll be really interesting to see next year, because um, I don't think I don't think Rex is staying after this year. Personally, I, I just don't see it. Now. Um, I you know if if they sign him in multiple years, they do. Um, but I think that if Tyrod has that change, he he could be he could be a star in this league. I, I really think so.
0: Interesting. So worth the money, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Gotcha. All right. The next one is from at JJK. He sends in a lot of good questions all the time. His, his statement is Des will no longer be a top 10 PPR wide receiver this season. Foul or no foul?
1: No foul. Uh, I'm completely on board with that. I, I think that that's one of the things uh, I'm, I'm working on a, a target share uh, article for clock Dodgers right now. And one of the things that showed up Big time uh, in the first week was just that, uh, you know, it might've been the way that the Giants were um, showing coverage, but (coughs) Dak Prescott kept everything really close to the line of scrimmage and was targeting everything on the interior of the field. Des Bryant is a wide receiver. He's going to be on the outside of the field. He's a deep ball threat. He plays outside routes more often. He's a big body receiver who you throw the ball up to, which a lot of times is a rookie quarterback's dream, but was not what Dak was gravitating to. Um, Dak is showing right now that he's kind of more that game-manager mode of quarterback, where he's going to take what the defense is giving him. And the defense isn't going to give you Des Bryant. The defense is going to do anything they can to stop Des Bryant right. from being the main asset on a team. So. I, I don't think, especially in PPR, that Des will have that sort of return. Uh, in standard leagues, I think Des could still, you know, catch eight to twelve touchdowns potentially. Um, but but right now, I, uh, I I'm not feeling very confident in him at all.
0: That's fair, and and not a foul or no foul question, but just in your personal opinion, do you think Dak is the the future quarterback of the Cowboys?
1: Ah, uh, you know, I I don't. Um, I think Romo comes back and least at the quarterback next year it'll be interesting to see how it goes on from there um you know we don't have really nearly enough of the sample size with Dak to to I think be able to know right. if he's going to be anything in the NFL um so to so time definitely will tell you know there are only so many good NFL quarterbacks. There are a lot of NFL starting quarterbacks right now that that aren't good. So to say that Dak can't have a job is, I think, ludicrous. When you watch the Rams last week, um, but
0: <laughs> but Romo I, you know, finishes the season. In your opinion?
1: Yeah, if Romo can come back healthy, yeah, Romo okay. definitely finishes the season. I don't see this as a situation where like Dak takes over and you know pulls it. Tom Brady Drew Bledsoe situation.
0: Gotcha. Okay. The next Fowler No Foul. Um, due to the many frequent visitors there now on a once desolate place, Revis Island needs to be permanently closed. Fowler No Foul.
1: Oh, no foul. It totally needs to be closed. Oh man. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you saw tonight, but uh Marquise Goodwin even beat him deep. And uh if anybody's saying who is that, <laughs> then uh, you're having the proper reaction because most most people are not even you know, familiar with Marquise Goodwin, but uh, he's a burner and he burned Revis. Um, You know, unfortunately, this is what happens in the NFL when players get old. A lot of times there are these, you know, I think that there are kind of two types of players, if we're making things extremely simple, who become veterans in the NFL. There's those players who... No matter if it's their first season or their 15th season, they're the first guy to arrive at practice and the last guy to leave. And then there's the Darrell Revises, who, you know, they were talking about in the offseason how he was practicing less, how he was, you know, not being as active, and it's showing up. And yeah. I don't think it's any shock, you know. When you get older, you lose things like speed and agility. You have to make up for that by hard work. By you know studying playbooks By studying coverages And you know nothing against Rivas he's one of the greatest quarterback Or cornerbacks of all time but uh, He simply Is not
0: showing that Ability right now and I think That he might be done All right. So the next foul or no foul I have And this is actually um, from I, uh, The sponsor no halftime that we have here um, it's, a, it's a daily fantasy Sports app where you do player versus player Challenges um it's non ppr and you just go head to head one player versus one player. And so I just want to see really quick what you think of this. I took a challenge on there um for a decent amount of money, and I have Cole Beasley, and for some reason this person took the third string running back for the Seahawks, CJ uh size probably you say the name, I don't even know how you say it. Um, is there now my, my basically my, my my statement is Cole Beasley over CJ, non PPR and week two foul or no foul.
1: I'm gonna say no foul. Um, I like CJ Process as a talent, but I think that uh, whoever is gambling on him is gambling a little early. Uh, there, there has been some talks that Rawls is getting healthier there and that uh, he's going to be taking the lion's share of the carries away from Christine Michael this week. I think that, you know, game script wise, Seattle's probably going to beat up on Miami and have the opportunity to run late. Procise is not really that exciting between the tackle style runner. Um, right. So he's going to be involved a little bit more in the passing game role. Uh, and I think especially since he's a rookie, and especially since it's early, he's not going to be really heavily targeted this week. Um, I love him as far as a down-the-road prospect, even later on in this season, especially if uh, the Seahawks' offense becomes more of what it was in the second half of last year and Russell Wilson's passing the ball a lot more. Um, but yeah, it's not he's not someone who I'm really excited about early here. Um, ironically, I just picked him up in the Scott Fish Bowl, so it's funny to, to kind of talk <laughs> negatively about
0: him right now.
1: <laughs> that being said, to transition to Cole Beasley, um, Cole is one of those guys, I mean, If you go back and look at week one, he was one of the top five most targeted wide receivers in the NFL, most targeted players, actually. Um, So, you know, he is somebody who I don't expect to necessarily blow up this week. But I think in a battle against someone like CJ ProSice, who, you know, will be lucky if he gets, you know, five to 10 carries and will be lucky if he gets three catches. You've got a guy in Cole Beasley who's probably going to see double digit targets again and has a catch rate that um, I'd have to look up to know for sure, but I think he
0: was in like the the 70s last year. I was just looking at it earlier. and the thing um, is CJ, I think is, is we got a bust at hand or something right now too. so my thing is if he doesn't play like if he's actually you know inactive then then the the, the challenge is like voided. so I'm hoping he's active and he just doesn't play. <laughs> so yeah
1: I mean he played last week um in kind of a really limited role so yeah I don't really expect him to play this week but uh but yeah I mean Cole caught uh I got it up here finally uh he caught 66 percent of his passes he went eight for 12 uh this past week and I think that uh he just you know he's in a much better situation like I was addressing earlier with Dak Zach is going to target those guys who are close to the line of scrimmage. He's going to target those interior wide receivers and those guys who are running those in routes, those dig routes. And that's Cole. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that, uh,
0: I think that you probably got that one in the bag. This Cole week. Beasley going to bring me in the money. Hopefully, hopefully, man. The funny thing is with, when, when you, when you play on no halftime, when you see these challenges, sometimes you see ones and you're like, that's a gimme. Like that's, that's got, that's easy. That's easy money. And then you lose, and you're like, what? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You're like, how did the person predict that? Like, how did they see that coming? You know what I mean? It's just like, it's crazy. There were so many people who lost week one um, when they picked Gurley over, over Ware. And then Ware went nuts. Uh, Gurley did nothing. But everyone's seen it as like, oh, this is easy money, man. Gurley, come on. How is he going to lose to Ware? And then, shh, God, Ware killed him. You know what I mean? So, ooh, it's. I
1: got to get on no halftime, obviously. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's fun, man. It's a fun thing to do. And if you use the promo code CLOCK, you get $10 right out the gate, man. But um, I, I wanted to throw that at you to make sure. Cause I was super confident about it, but I was like, am I missing something? I got to be missing something because this guy is so confident in him. Like, what am I missing? But we'll see how it goes. Um, the, the last foul or no foul I wanted to throw at you really quick was um, standard fantasy leagues, non-PPR, shouldn't exist. Foul or no foul?
1: Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to say No foul. Uh, I think that there is room, or I'm sorry, you said shouldn't exist, so, yep. so I'm going to say that's a foul. Uh, I think there is room for all different types of formats. That being said, I, I am very, very, very passionate when I say this. If you don't like a format, just don't play it. Like, yep. it's not that hard. <laughs> just don't do it. Like, I personally don't like standard scoring. I'm just not a huge fan of it. There's not a ton of points scored each week, and it's just not as exciting to me. There's not as many things to track or to pay attention to. And honestly, you know, I think it's a little bit harder to win than PPR leagues,
0: personally. Yeah,
1: um, that being said, I play in one standard league because it's a league with, you know, people I know, and it's... You know, it's simple, and it has a lot of casual players, and that's why they make it a standard scoring league. That being said, you know, if you're someone who just hates a particular format, just don't play it. I like agree. They keep having these arguments on Twitter about, like, you know, they should phase out PPR, which used for back when you know running backs dominated to try and make it more even for wide receivers, and now it's just propping wide receivers up too much. And I'm just like, well, then just don't play it. Like, <laughs> yep. Just don't play in a PPR league if you don't like PPR. Um, for me, as long as these major contests, especially uh, leagues like the National Fantasy Football Championship, the NFFC, or the uh, Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, continue to use some form of point-per-reception scoring – then that's probably going to be what I gravitate to. Um, I like the idea of being able to play high stakes. And if that's what, you know, those contests are in, those are the things I'm going to dedicate my most time to, because those are the things that have the potential to have the, you know, biggest positive impact on my life if I'm successful
0: at them. Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes sense. All right. So we're doing foul or no foul. What I do want to do is today we're not going to do fancy trade blackjack. We're going to get to that another episode because you will be back. Um, but I just wanted to kind of go over. I got a bunch of guys' names, right, that are either, you know, typically labeled with the, the injury-prone label or, you know, out the field issues, whatever it could be. Um, and I just want to – when I say their name, I want you to let me know if you're keeping the headache or you're packing their bags. All right? So if you're if you're keeping the guy because you think he's worth it, or you just want no parts of it and you're getting him out of there. Okay?
1: Well okay, this should be fun.
0: <laughs> that should be fun. All right. So the first name, Sammy Watkins. Headache or packing his bags.
1: Oh, oh, keep the headache. Oh uh, Sammy, he is he has such a high ceiling that uh yeah, I'm not gonna let him go. I've I've got him on a few teams and uh, unless I'm getting really legitimate offers for, for guys who I think also have that same sort of explosive ability he does. No, he's he's staying on my rosters.
0: Gotcha. All right, next one, Ryan Matthews.
1: God, he's the one player. Who, uh, <laughs> I. I don't like the term injury-prone. I think it's just a made-up term by bad fantasy analysts, personally. I think it's overused, but uh, if anybody's injury-prone, it's Ryan Matthews. Um, (laughs) That being said, he's not injured right now, so I'm probably going to hold on to him because that offense has shifted to a power-running offense, and I think he's going to be successful, so uh, I'll keep the headache.
0: All right, and you're going to need a lot of talent after this one, man. All right, Um, next guy, Arian Foster. Keep the headache or get him out of here?
1: Oh, you got to keep the headache. I mean, <laughs> see, here's here's the thing. is For me, I look at fantasy football as a weekly game. Arian Foster is a guy who can be the number one running back on any given week. He 100% can. And that offense is pushing itself in a direction where they don't believe in Jay Ajayi. They're going to be giving the bulk of the running back work there to Foster, and he is that awesome PPR threat. So I love his potential. I drafted him actually a lot this year, just as somebody who I think as long as he's healthy, I'm going to be starting him every week.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they believe in Ajayi at all. So Foster is definitely a headache. Probably going to stick around for a while. (laughs) Um, The next one, an interesting guy, Josh Gordon. Headache or pack your bag, son.
1: So that's one where I let him pack his bag, son. Um it's it's a situation where I think that there's so much hype around him that uh, his value is inflated. I, I don't know what he's gonna be like when he comes back. I mean in the preseason he looked pretty solid, but you know, you're running against defenses who are running the simplest packages they have, so it's really hard to know. Um even when he was his you know breakout performer self and he was just on top of the world he wasn't the most efficient wide receiver he had a gigantic target market share in that offense and I don't know if he's going to get that with Corey Coleman there now with uh you know the the plethora of weapons that Cleveland is starting to develop in that passing game I just I just don't see it. So, uh, finally, there's one headache that I'll let go of. He's
0: got to go. He's got to go. All right. All right. Now, this next guy, uh, I I could be mistaken, but I think I'm right. First three years in the league, three years, IR in a row, Keenan Allen.
1: Oh, God. You're breaking my heart. I had him (laughs) on so many, so many So did
0: I, dude. I I traded for him left and right.
1: Oh, God. I even... So people are going to think this is crazy, but I, I love his talent. I took him ninth overall in a PPR league. Um, so that being said, I would 100% keep the headache. Uh, I approach this question as though it's a dynasty question. And if it is dynasty and he is on my roster, I'm not looking to unload him. Uh, he, to me, is a top 10 wide receiver talent in the NFL right now. And I think he has top five potential over the course of his career. Nice. He's still really young. Um, Philip Rivers has shown that he will target him constantly in that offense. And I think that, you know, he even showed it in the very little amount of time that he got with us this season. You know, he had six receptions for sixty something yards in I think a quarter and a half, if I remember correctly. He yeah. got injured in the second quarter. So, I mean, he was just on fire in that game. And uh, I was actually watching it and uh god watching that injury was uh it was so painful i uh i hate that about really any players but especially players that i really believe in especially players that i believe have this ability to be extreme talents and and have amazing careers to uh to see them go down and and to know they're going to miss an entire season especially someone like keenan allen who just missed half of last year it's it's heartbreaking and uh you know i, I have to hold on to him because i want to see him come back and just light the world on fire next year
0: trust me man i couldn't be more with you on that one like i said i traded for him in at least two or three leagues if i didn't draft him i was like trying to trade for him right after the draft and man it sucks but you know i guess it's just the way it is but i'm same thing next year man i'm gonna go for him again you know so we'll see um the next guy Dion lewis keep the headache or get him out of here Man, I, I'm gonna
1: say to get him out of here, um, and I'm gonna quantify that by saying that he's a guy who I'm gonna let go of if I'm in any sort of short bench league or league where I don't have really deep rosters or it's not a dynasty setup. If okay. I have really deep rosters or if it's a dynasty setup, he's a player I do want to hold on to because he does have that really high weekly upside. And I think he is a really talented player. Um, but I don't know when he's going to be back. And I don't like holding on to guys for, you know, a, an unknown amount of time, not knowing A, when they're going to come back or B, what they're going to be like when they come back. Because, you know, There's always that off chance that he comes back and he's not the Deion Lewis of last year, or he could come back and that offense could be in a position where they like the power running game of Legarrett Blunt a lot more. And, you know, he still gets use in the passing game, but now he's lost that between the tackles opportunity that he had last year. So I just I think that there's too many question marks around when he'll be back and what his market share will look like when he does return and what his talent level will be like when he returns. So uh, I'd have to let him go.
0: All right. So Josh Gordon and uh, Deion Lewis, the cap, will be waiting out front for you. we got a couple more names to run through. Uh, Deshaun Jackson.
1: Uh, De- Deshaun? I, I don't even know what the headache is. I'm, I'm holding on to Deshaun. Okay. I think he's going to have a phenomenal season.
0: Not worried about injuries. All right. The next guy... Um, you might not even want him, even if he was healthy at this point. But you know, I gotta put his name on there. Uh, Cruz, Victor Cruz.
1: Oh, salsa dance! Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna keep my headache. <laughs> I, so, so yeah, Victor Cruz is actually my favorite player in the NFL.
0: I, wow, I really? Cruz. Okay, that's mm-hmm. you probably don't hear that as much anymore. You know what I mean? A couple of years ago, he was everybody's guy, but you know, a couple of years of injuries and people kind of just forgotten about him.
1: Yeah, he was one of those guys who I. Uh, I, I, I can't recall exactly. I think I picked him up off the waiver, wire. I want to say. I don't think I drafted him, but I think it was like the first or second week of the season, and uh, I ended up winning a fantasy championship in that league, and it was really exciting, and I don't know, man. How can you not love that salsa dance? It's the best end zone celebration there is. Like,
0: Yeah, I man. Just, and you caught a touchdown in week one, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was yeah. so awesome to get him to see, see him do that after being injured and out all last season, and I mean... He's just got that, you know, that je ne sais quoi, you know, he's got that <laughs> ability to just, you know, make you excited to watch football. And I think that's, that's really, you know, I, that's one of the things that I love about watching football on a Sunday is having those yeah. exciting moments. Yeah. Excited, yeah.
0: So and overall he seems like a good guy too. So.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. He definitely does. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't like to try and read into that too much cause who knows with the NFL, but, uh, but, yeah, when, when you get to see him celebrate, especially after being out for a year, watching uh, him salsa dance in the end zone was, was pretty awesome to get to see again.
0: Gotcha. Three more names. RG3, headache or pack your bags?
1: Oh, now pack your bags. He, you help, he you'll chan- help him
0: pack his bags, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, he got his <laughs> chance. Uh, I actually I have him in a dino league that I went uh, heavy uh, on wide receivers early in that uh, – you can start up to three quarterbacks, and everybody went quarterback crazy. So I ended up with uh, – it's a team that I I literally call the island of misfit QBs because I've got, like, Gabbard and Bradford and RG3. <laughs> <laughs> it's just – it's terrible. Um, but that's the only place I'm going to own RG3, and uh, I will probably continue
0: to own him for a little while because it's so hard to move quarterbacks in that league. But uh, that being said, it, yeah, he is – he's a dumpster fire yeah he's just gone all right and his injured quarterback buddy tony romo
1: oh mr romo um yeah i think it's similar situation to Dion lewis you kind of got to let him go unless you're in a situation where uh, you have a really really deep bench or you're in a dynasty league simply because he can be around for that playoff run potentially but you don't know if he will for sure and you don't know the quality that he's going to be when he gets back so only in perfect situations where you just have a ton of depth that you can hold on to you gotta let him go
0: all right the last thing i just want to throw at you some guys you know feel like his injury you know seems like he has a lot of injuries sometimes some guys don't think so at all super talented regardless how you look at it so i'm sure you'll keep the headache but all jeffrey i just want to throw his name in there because a lot of people ask about it
1: oh my god people are crazy so i i referenced the, uh the dynasty league that you can start up to three quarterbacks and uh first and foremost i will keep that headache all day um <laughs> he he's another one of those guys that i just think people don't realize how talented he is it, it's kind of shocking to me um i you know like i was saying I, I referenced the dynasty league that you can start up to three quarterbacks in and there's a lot of weird scoring in that league but uh it was a dynasty league, and I was able to get Alshon in the fourth round, which I just thought was ludicrous. Yeah, um, that is crazy. It was just—it was insane to me. Um, to me, in dynasty formats, he's a end of the first, uh, beginning of the second round pick. Still, he's you know a top fifteen wide receiver in dynasty for me. I really think that uh, he's actually in a perfect situation with Jay Cutler because Cutler identifies one guy, and he's just going to throw the ball to him constantly.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, like you said, he he's one of those guys that are worth the headache. And it it seems like you you are willing to take the little bit of risk that comes with injuries, just you know, as far as long as the talent oversees it, right? I mean, that's what it sounds like. You're where as far as this game is shown, um, you you don't mind the risk of an injury because I mean, everyone has a risk, obviously. But you know, some of these guys seem to have nagging injuries and things like that. But you you seem to you know the talent will supersede that for you most of the time. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's a weekly game. People forget that, I think, far too often. It's a weekly game. Um, The things that I don't like around injuries are guys like Sammy Watkins right now who are trying to play through an injury. That guy ends up on my bench, and that is a situation where if I play him, I have no idea what to expect. If a guy's going to miss time, I at least know he's missing time, and I can fill in for him. But what I want on my rosters, and this is why I was drafting a lot of D'Angelo Williams, a lot of Arian Foster, are guys who win they are starting, I think that they have that top 5, top 10 potential at their position on any given week. I want as many of those guys as possible on my roster, and that way, if there are injuries, I can churn the next guy in, And, and I think that It's kind of shocking when those guys are available later on in your drafts. I mean, we're past draft season, but there were a lot of guys like that late in drafts this year who just have that huge potential who, of course, I'm willing to take the risk on because we see it every year. There's people who are going to come on the waiver wire. There's people who are going to come on your bench and fill in as role players or fill in as every week starters. So you can take those risks, and when you hit, you get these powerhouse teams that nobody can beat
0: absolutely for sure all right man well we made it through the questions the foul or no fouls the headache or pack your bags we made it through everything so you know before i let you go you know i appreciate you hanging in here with me i know this one this one's has gone kind of long man we went deep on this one so um before i let you go you you mentioned you had the upcoming um article on com for the target and targets um so that's coming out soon so people can look forward to that on cloudletters.com um as far as where people can find you social media all that kind of stuff can you kind of just throw them all out there
1: yeah for sure um i only do twitter but i'm on there constantly um at the other ff guy uh pretty much you can always get a hold of me on there Uh, i'm always willing to answer you know start sick questions uh you know just talk fantasy any of that stuff it's an awesome awesome fantasy community on twitter and uh, i'm proud to be a part of it
0: yeah man i like that handle the other ff guy i like that (laughs) you're like you know the other guy (laughs) yeah Dave richards no no no, the other guy (laughs) you know i like it i like that name so yeah guys hit him up on there follow him um if you don't like something he said if you think he's taking on some too much headaches here let him know If you like his blueprint for the running backs, let him know and check out that article that he's coming out with, um, you know, targeting targets, and you'll see a lot more from him on cloudodders.com, and you'll hear a lot more from Adam on this podcast. Um, Adam, I always like to give, um, you know, the guests the final word. The floor is yours as far as anything you want to leave the listeners with. Uh, You know, I always mention it can be fantasy related, but we've talked about fantasy a lot here. So if you don't want to do that, that's fine, too. Um, Anything you want, you're leaving them with it. And this is what they're going to walk away with, hopefully, if they didn't take everything else in.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Um, You know... First and foremost, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity as always. I love talking fantasy. So, you know, any chance that I get, I'm always super grateful. So so thank you so much, Neil. Uh, no problem. But yeah, I mean, as far as having the, the platform and the freedom to talk, uh, everybody please watch this episode of South Park that aired this week. Uh, I think it does a great job hitting on this whole Colin Kaepernick controversy that exists. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. So yeah. Uh, Enjoy yourself and uh I I hope that uh that I get to, you know, have you guys listen to me a little bit more in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I haven't checked out that episode yet either. But South Park never fails. So Oh
1: my god, it's so good. Get around to it.
0: Again, I appreciate you coming on and uh you guys will hear more from Adam. Check out his articles, let him know what you think, hit him up on Twitter at the other FF guy. And man, you have a good night.
1: All right, man, you too. Thanks so much.
0: I appreciate it. Later. Yo, shout out to Adam big ups to Adam, man. Adam knows his stuff. I know you can hear it just listening to him. He knows his stuff. He's a good dude. Check out more from Adam, not only on the podcast, you will hear more of him, no question about it, but clockdodgers.com has some articles written by Adam, the running back archetype, targeting targets, anything under the other articles, okay? Check him out, show him love, follow him on Twitter at the other guy well worth the follow i must admit he's also in the scott fishbowl just a quick update i have gone on to be 2-0 um adam is in the top 10 of the scott fishbowl after two weeks i mean i know it's just two weeks but man props where props are due Yeah, you know i mean i was happy just to be 2-0 um so props to adam for that um and again you know uh, be on the lookout for more from adam check out his articles on ClockDodgers.com. um really quick i know the episode um pretty much covered a whole bunch of stuff so um i don't really you know want to drag it out too long i do want to tell you to check out josh josh's articles also on com. he does the uh the streaming articles for dst quarterbacks tight ends highly recommend you check out those articles um yeah, recommend those articles big time if you're if you're the streaming type of guy. Which I know there's a lot of you streamers out there. Um, also, Eddie, Eddie's epi- Eddie's uh, you know article on the on the site. You gotta check that out. The split tens got the new rankings up. Did your team make it? Is your team in the top five? Oh, you a poor baby. Is your team in the bottom five? It's okay. It's okay. Hey, Eddie does these every week. You may just move to the top five. You may just get out of the bottom five and have some dignity. Go check out his article. It's always exciting to see if your team has made the list. Um, More stuff to come, guys. Different podcast guests, different articles on the site. All you got to do is hit me up if you want your, your foul or no foul on the air, your questions on the air, your statements on the air, your fantasy blackjack scenarios on the air, If you got a player you think is a headache and you want us to ask it, send it my way. You guys know how to get in touch with me. ClockDodgers.com, you can hit me up there. ClockDodgers at gmail.com, at ClockDodgers on Twitter and Instagram. Catch me on the Fantasy Life app, SleeperBot app, at Profit on both of those. Catch me in the ClockDodgers chat. I mean, really? I mean, do you want me to give you my address too? My phone number, I mean, I I can't, I've given you every way to contact me, so there's no way that we shouldn't be in touch, whether you just want to interact with the show, talk to me, ask me some questions, um, suggest a guest, whatever it is, just hit me up, be on the lookout for some new Inside Glance episodes, some 15-minute break episodes, and um, guys, that's really it, you know what I mean? Me and Adam, we went deep on this one, so, you know, I'm, I'm all gassed out. I will see you guys on the next episode. Good luck. No, you'll, you'll hear from me before now in week three, um, but still good luck in preparation for that. If you're in a league with me, send me a trade. <laughs> uh, oh, also shout out to the guys who are in the $50 Clock Dodger League. My bad, guys. I left you out on the other episode when I mentioned a lot of the leagues that I was in. Um, so yes, $50 clock Dodgers league, a very important league, very, very, very important league. Shout out to you guys. I didn't forget you. It was just a small blip in my memory that I forgot. Well, no, I just said, I didn't forget. I didn't forget you. It was just a mental error. Okay. We all have those. Nobody's perfect. It was a blip, but now I remembered you guys. Now you got your own special shout out. Again, guys, keep doing it big. Keep doing your thing. Keep being great. Keep helping people have a better day. You have the power to do it. You have the power to make somebody smile today. Do it. Do it. Do it. it. Clock Dodgers. Let's go. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to stop by ClockDodgers.com and follow us on Twitter.